What are some of the capabilities that you really think define 5G and make it demonstrably different than what we saw in 4G? I think about LTE, and that network was designed to connect really humans on phones. The vision and what we're delivering on 5G is a technology that can connect everything and anything. Welcome to our season finale of Taking Care of Business. I'm Mike Katz, president of the business group at T-Mobile. And today, I am so excited to have T-Mobile's very own Neville Ray, president of technology, join me here on Taking Care of Business. For more than 20 years, Neville has been integral to the evolution and innovation behind our network and technology team at T-Mobile. Today he leads what he calls, and I think we can all agree, is the best team in wireless, spanning network strategy, design, build, and operations, as well as enterprise technology solutions and technology procurement and supply. That is a lot. So much so that he was one of five inaugural inductees to the Wireless Hall of Fame. Dubbed a technology titan, Neville has certainly earned legendary status among our T-Mobile team and beyond. Neville's reputation and influence extends way beyond his role at T-Mobile. He has served on both the National Government Network Reliability and Interoperability Council and Commerce Spectrum Management Advisory Committee, and currently serves on the Board of Directors of Next Generation Mobile Networks Alliance and the Board of Governors of 5G Americas. In other words, when Neville Ray speaks, the wireless world listens. Well, Neville, thank you so much for doing this. It's so great to have you here. Great to be here and great to be in 5G and yeah, me. Yeah, look at this place. You know, this place the, the home of T-Mobile yeah. and 5G. It's yeah. awesome. So, Neville, I have to start. You know, 20 plus years at T-Mobile. I, I want to get your perspective on what's happened with this network, particularly over the, this, this last 20 years, from where it was 20 years ago to where it is today. Can you just give us an idea of the size and scale of what we're working with today versus, versus two decades ago. Yeah, it's, it's been a, just a fantastic journey. I mean, you're right, it's 20 years worth of work, but the last seven years, and specifically the last two years, where we've really built out this powerhouse 5G network is just it's so transformative. And we've gone from being you know, kind of a network laggard back in the day with limited coverage, and you know a metro focus and not much national coverage to a company that now covers coast to coast with 5G services and ahead of Verizon and AT&T. That's the piece that's yeah. most <laughs> enjoyable for me, Mike, is while we've been building out 5G at a record pace across the country, they've been really very, very slow to come out of the blocks. And here we are today, 308 million people covered with our 5G footprint, almost everybody across the United States. So T-Mobile now is, you know, we have the fastest, the largest, and the most reliable 5G network. And that's just an incredible accomplishment, you know, from the team. Massive 5G coverage, and now the big focus is building out our ultra-capacity mid-band 5G, which is so transformative. I, I absolutely believe we are the only company in the US really starting to fulfill the promise of 5G and what it can bring. And that ultra capacity layer with fantastic speeds, hundreds of megabits per second. I mean, I've been at this a long time, so I still pinch myself some days. We were so proud 20 years ago to get kilobit streams of data. But even with LTE, 30, 40 megabits per second, and now we can deliver 10 times that. And so building the network is just this incredible journey, but the business opportunity that that creates for the company and for the US is just, we're just getting started. It's super exciting. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, 
I and the rest of this company are so proud of what you and your team have done. Thank and you. It's just, it's just, it's been so incredible, especially for somebody you know that's been here about the same time as you. It's just amazing to see. You look a lot younger than me, though, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> How did is it like? It's the magic of uh, camera. You know, <laughs> uh, when when you you know twenty years ago when you were thinking about what the network of the future could look like, did you ever imagine it would, it would be like this? Like, what did you think wireless was gonna look like 20 years ago? Nothing like this. I mean, if I go back to, you know, putting the basic network together that we had, I joined when it was VoiceStream, you know, pre-T-Mobile. And then we were focused on just basic voice mobility on major roads and highways, let alone in-building coverage. And here we are today, we've gone from a company that was focused on delivering really voice service and very limited data to becoming this massive ISP. I mean, we are an incredibly sized delivery of, you know, a deliverer of internet services and capabilities across the US. And that whole data revolution and what we can deliver, the revolution of the smartphone, all the things that will come with 5G, 20 years ago, we weren't really thinking about those. Um, and it's been a vision uh, and an idea set for the last decade. But in the last couple of years, it started to finally turn into delivery. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, technology and wireless is so much fun because it does go through these big evolutionary stages. What does this look like in 20 years? If you ask me, I will get it all wrong, yeah. probably. But I know it will be transformative and way better than what we do today. When, when you think about this evolution from 4G to 5G, and some of the capabilities in this 5G network now. Like, what are some of the capabilities that you really think define 5G and make it demonstrably different than what we saw in 4G? Yeah, I mean, so I think about, there's so many dimensions to this, Mike, but I think about LTE, and that network was designed to connect really humans on phones. I mean, there's been, you know, internet connectivity for IoT and other services and so on. They've always been there, but LTE networks were designed for really human connectivity. And the, the vision and what we're delivering on 5G is a technology that can connect everything and anything. Um, massive orders of magnitude greater in terms of connectivity capability. The old use phrase is everything that can be connected will be connected. And I fundamentally believe that. And 5G architecture can do that. So that's one dimension. The other piece is just the, the capacity and capability of what we can deliver on a wireless mobility network is so transformative. It's orders of magnitude greater than what we could do on LTE. So speed, performance, capacity, latency is coming with massive improvements in, in latency on a full 5G architecture. So, so LTE goes from becoming a, you know, a, a network originally built on voice with some good data capability to transforming to something with, with 5G where everything and anything can be connected and the, the, the volume of connectivity can go from very small IoT to, to massive, uh, you know, driverless car, for example, whatever it might be. The whole gamut of connectivity op options is so big and so large. Um, it's just an amazing transition. Way bigger than anything we did before. 2G, like small step to 3G. 3G much better to 4G, but 4G to 5G is this like massive leap. Um, and that's why it's taking some time, more time for the other guys than us. But um, you need a lot more spectrum, you need new capabilities, a lot of new radio, all those things. So it's, it's a big generational change. I wanna, I wanna talk to you in a second about some of the things that you're seeing early on that you're excited about, but before I go there, can you talk a little bit about, I know you and the team 
made a bunch of decisions early on about the way that we've designed and deployed 5G that are very different than what others in the US are doing. Can you just talk about a couple of those and why what we're doing offers some of the capabilities that are differentiated versus competitors? Yeah, I mean, I think where we started, so we said, okay, every generational technology layer needs this, this broad foundation um, to support IoT to support voice services, all those different pieces. So that's why we built out, you know, a low band, a low band footprint, low band network, um, and that's where we started. We're just about to celebrate our two-year anniversary of nationwide, north of 200 million people covered with low band, and it was fascinating, Mike. When we did that, a lot of folks around the industry were like, "Well, why would why would you do that?" And we were like, "Well, of course you would do that for IoT and you know base level services that you need." Uh, to get everything ultimately, you know, to 5G. So we started in a very different place. Verizon was off chasing and AT&T millimeter wave. So very small, you know, deployments of, of a lot of spectrum and capacity, but with really incredibly limited coverage and mobility. So we started in a very different place, put the base foundation in, I love to call that my infamous layer cake, <laughs> right? So get the base layer in, and then what we've been attacking furiously the last 18 months is building this mid-band layer where all of the action really happens. You know, today almost 100 megahertz of 2.5 gigahertz spectrum committed to that mid-band capability and, and throughput and capacity. And so we're building through that 200 million people covered now, targeting 300 million, you know, within the next two years by the end of, of 2023. And, and what we've seen is our competition is now only just starting what we really started on 18 months, almost two years ago. They're finally, everybody's flipped to our strategy. So they've got 5G footprints out there. They're starting to build mid-band. Uh, some of them have a little bit more millimeter wave than we have, but we're building millimeter wave out in places where it matters, in venues and, and business locations where you need that very high throughput and capability. So it's, it's fascinating to me after being kind of this small company that we were, how we started and rolled out this 5G build and strategy that everybody's kind of flipped to. And um, we today, this is a fun stat, so if you think about FDD networks like 600 megahertz we built, we have the largest FDD network on Earth, not <laughs> just in the US, it's the biggest in the world. Um, and now everybody that said we were crazy to do that is all now starting to deploy that way. And we were the first in the US to really attack the mid-band opportunity. I'm not gonna say that we created that because others were looking at that, but we were the first in the US to go grab that opportunity and make it happen. So um, a lot of other things happening in 5G, Mike, but in terms of that build and scale, they're the pieces I'd hit. One other thing I'd love for you just to hit on that, in addition to the layer cake spectrum strategy, which is incredibly differentiated, is the dedicated 5G network core that we operate on. Can you just talk a little bit about that and why it's such an advantage for us to have that? Yeah, well, it's kind of this wacky discussion, right, about most of the world today is running a 5G radio network, so that piece that connects you, you know, back to the base station, and then they're still running on a core architecture, the switching and all of the movement of the bits and bytes, you know, that go on behind all of that, on LTE. <laughs> And so we were the first to launch the technology jargon is a standalone network. That just basically means we've, we've built a 5G core and we have 5G radio and we're putting those two things together. And until you do that, you can't create 
and support the full vision of 5G and many of the use cases that folks have talked about for seems too long now. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to have those two things that live together. And so we're the first company to launch globally, to launch a nationwide standalone 5G network. And we're now in a position as we roll out SA across the full network, including all of the mid-band space, where we can start to deliver that full 5G experience. So what does that mean? Way better latency. Features and capabilities like um, slicing. And that's a technical term, but I mean, that's, a, that's about driving and delivering a, a guaranteed level of service whatever that end service may be, you know, to the end customer. Things that we just can't do in an LTE network, and you can't do with an LTE core. You have to migrate and move to the next thing. So the team took that piece on, delivered a 5G core way ahead of many of our, you know, peers and competitors, you know, globally. Um, AT&T and Verizon yet to even announce when they're going to build, you know, a 5G core. And so that's fascinating to me why they haven't made those investments because so much money, billions of dollars going into the radio piece, but to realize that full 5G vision, you have to do the other half. And we've kind of done it. We've still got some work to do, um, but we are absolutely in the best position to realize that full potential on 5G. Well, we're not too disappointed that they're behind, so. No, I uh, <laughs> don't want to encourage them too yeah. much. <laughs> uh, you've, mentioned, you've mentioned a couple of, of things that probably fit onto this list, but, and I know it's early. Yeah. But what are some of the things that you've seen so far that get you the most excited about capabilities, experiences that leverage these capabilities? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a long list, Mike. I, I don't know where to start. I mean, if we think about um, maybe start on the spectrum, which is, which is IoT, right? And the ability now to connect millions, if not billions of devices uh, to a network. And I think, you know, folks can reel off so many different IoT applications and services. I love the idea of being able to transform connectivity in, in like rural America, for example, and places where those types of services have never been, you know, really made available. And there's just an endless list of opportunity, um, agricultural use cases, road safety use cases. It's just delivery and um, uh, and shipment and logistics use cases. It's it's endless. Um, and so that's one area where I think 5G in that space over the next, you know, really two to five years is going to drive material opportunity for companies to leverage connectivity that from a mobility perspective wasn't there before in the way that it will be. Massive scale. Um, so that's super exciting. Then I go to, you know, the other end and how is this going to really impact you know, us and, and people and humans at work or at play, you know, the consumer space, the business space. And, you know, having a device which is almost like walking around with a strand of fiber in your hand, you know, so you're so connected, that's incredibly powerful to start with. And I think about use cases, I mean, one of my favorites is, is eyewear and wearables. And I think everybody sometimes looks at that and they say, well, that's a bit, sci that's a bit science fiction, right? When is that going to happen? It's starting to happen. There are major investments you know, coming into that category. And why is that meaningful? I think for, you know, for consumers, you, now you can have instant connectivity to this world around you. I don't know whether we want to call it the metaverse or whatever, but um, massive internet connectivity capability. And then you can size and scale and figure out how to do that. We talk about great latency in networks, but today, you know, take your phone out, you know, punch the piece of glass, pull up data, you know, you'll be able to cut latency to nothing in your field of vision. That's going to happen. 
And where it's going to happen first is in the business segment. Um, and I see so many opportunities there that are just transformative across workforces. The ability to have information delivered to you real time, freeing your hands to work away at the task or whatever it might be, um, and have information, instruction, um, learning, all of those things coming to you in a way that you couldn't do on prior networks because of the, the, the speed and capacity of what we can do on 5G compared to LTE. It makes that experience manageable and, and fun and exciting and, and usable. And for me, that's like massive workforce transformation. Now you can have almost unskilled um, you know, labor in the field with wearables, and they can be immediately upskilled in a way that you could never think of doing. Um, and so now you can be incredibly more efficient. Um, you can, that, that work task that needs to be performed can be done so much faster, so much better, so much quicker with guarantees of outcome and quality and all the things that businesses and we all want to see. We, we've been trying this with our own technician workforce just on commissioning equipment. And it's early days, but hard hat on, wearables on, um, technician that comes across a piece of equipment they've never seen or used before, and now they have somebody working with them. The glasses can look at the equipment and help you identify things, give you information. I'm, I'm, I'm rabbiting on, but I mean, they're just examples of I think the stuff is so powerful uh, that what you can do with that level of connectivity that you can bring, you know, in that mobility way. Um, healthcare, I mean, I, th I think we will transform healthcare as a society with 5G over the next 10 years. Be that IoT stuff, sensors for proactive medicine and measurement, to the ability to remotely connect EMTs and staff to doctors and ER and all these things. It's just endless and it's not, honestly Mike, it's not pie in the sky because this stuff is starting to happen. There are places in the world where some of these use cases that are super powerful, super exciting, and maybe feel many years out, they're starting to happen already. And with the network that we're building, I think we're gonna provide the entry point for many developers and, and businesses to, to really finally start to move towards these experiences. So a very long answer, but yeah, sorry. No, it's a, great, it's a great one, it's super exciting. The one, the one thing I was thinking is, now when I, I walk through my living room and see my kids with their Oculus glasses on, they can give me an excuse that they're preparing for their future job now. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go check that though. Yeah, no. As I, I, don't know, I don't know how uh, cutting blocks with a magic, with a uh, invisible sword prepares you for that, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, yeah, um, you know, obviously, you know that our team works a lot with businesses and government agencies, and a lot of people listening are, yeah. are technology leaders. If you're talking to a technology leader at, a, at another company, what, what are the kind of things that you would tell them on how they should be thinking about 5G and their, their strategy about how their company should implement 5G? Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, the T-Mobile story, multiple pieces. One, um, I think the connectivity layer that we can provide, back to your, the first thing we started to talk about is very different from, from where it was. And T-Mobile can lay down that connectivity layer for you as good as anybody else. So that, that raw connectivity you need, which is a foundational, right? That's, that's there from, from T-Mobile today. And then you take this 5G opportunity on top um, and you think about you know, use cases, um, what is it the business is looking to do with that connectivity? How can they be more efficient, more capable? How can they generate you know, speed of execution, greater revenues, whatever it might be? And 5G is just going to create the opportunity to do all of the things that 
your workforce does today to improve and enhance them. Um, I'm not saying like you just connect up to T-Mobile and it's done, right? You've got to figure out where are the workforce efficiencies, the use cases that you want to drive. Uh, but 5G is an incredible enabler for businesses going forward. And, you know, obviously we want to be a, a huge part of stimulating that ecosystem and, and dialogue. I think there's probably more questions than answers today. Um, I think a lot of CIOs are looking at this space and trying to understand how can 5G really help me? Um, but I think, you know, with your team and us, we have to be a key part of that dialogue to drive that discussion forward um, and make sure they're, they're, they're buying into, you know, T-Mobile, not just for, you know, for 5G, but to future-proof their needs so they know that we are going to be a long-term partner. Um, we have such a leadership position on 5G uh, that... Uh, and the things that we can offer over the timeframes coming over the next two to three years, that's very real at T-Mobile yeah. um, and less real at the competition. Yeah, I think one of the things that's encouraging, especially when you, when you hear you describing where we are today, is I think sometimes people have hesitation to buy a technology like 5G because they, they think it might be too new. Right. Um, and I think the great thing about our position and where you've put us with 5G is it's ready, it's at scale today. And we know it's gonna be a contemporary technology for the next five plus years. Right. And so if, if we, you know, when we're talking to CIOs, that's, that's the story that we're telling them because you don't wanna buy a technology today that's not going to have durability over the next decade, and right. 5G will. Yeah, we have, we have material maturity in our 5G solution today. It's growing all the time, every day, every week. That mid-band reach is getting further and further, but the low-band layer, you know, is there. So the maturity is is growing. And of course, I mean, 5G, I mean, goodness, Mike, we're still running GSM networks that I was putting up a long time ago. <laughs> um, and so 5G is going to be around us for, for, for many, many years. And yes, there's discussion about 6G, but... That's, that's, that's going to be a long time. Well, that's my whole next set of questions. So I'm just <laughs> <laughs> what, 6G? That's a great question. I can't answer that one yet. Right? Nobody knows. But. I think everybody knows all the work that you and the team do around network. But the other, the other big part of you, what your job and your team is running the IT environment yeah. at a big Fortune 40 company like T-Mobile. Right. Um, as, as, uh, you know, as you guys are thinking about 2022 and the, and the future of IT, what are, what are some of the big things on your list when it comes to running the IT environment at a company like this? Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's another environment with like massive change. Um, network has a lot of change. My goodness, our IT environment is going through a lot of change. And, you know, our, our IT mission is to uh, provide primarily enterprise support. So business functions like your own, consumer, care, making sure that they've got the service needs that, or we're meeting the service needs that they need to meet to meet the customer. Um, and I think for us, I think the biggest challenge in the IT space is really speed of delivery. And it's because I, and you tie these things together about 5G services and the things that are coming. And you think about um, how you're going to bill and service and provision services that are going to scale in all sorts of different ways. That's not how the architectures have been built historically. Um, so we've got to transform them to be faster, quicker. Agile is a word that gets thrown around, but agile is not maybe the technical term, but we need agility so that we can deliver faster and quicker uh, to meet those business needs. And, and I think, 
I think the industry is going to go through material transformation as we go through the next two to three years because business opportunities are going to scale and morph. And we will bring 5G capabilities that um, we are going to have to make sure it's not just about providing connectivity. It's about providing how do you realize that connectivity in your business. And I think you know, that that's an area where there's, there's still a lot of work for us to, to navigate through. Um, I think we need other partners, we need business help there too, um, but that's going to be a big area of growth. So we need to prepare ourselves for, you know, for that future going forward. Yeah. But speed, agility, um, uh, they're, they're the key pieces, I think, the biggest challenges that we face, but our biggest opportunities. Yeah. One of the things I would ask you about is kind of a leadership question, yeah. you know, because you run a huge team. You guys have, uh, you, I said it in the introduction, the accomplishments that you as a leader and your team have are uh, remarkable. Forget, for goodness sakes, you're in the Hall of Fame of wireless. Um, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> that was a fun dinner is all I remember, but anyway. <laughs> there's a, there's a uh, I'm, all I can imagine is some building that has a full bronze bust of you somewhere. Um, God forbid. <laughs> what, what, are, what are some of the, you know, the Neville Ray leadership advice for, for people that are looking to build their career as a leader and an impactful leader like you and your team have been? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've, I've spent pretty much all of my working life in, in this wireless space. And there's, there's just constant change. And you have to love and enjoy that. And I've, I, the, one of the things I really love about the work I do is I learn stuff you know, all the time. And so one of the things I say to people is, be a sponge, right? You, you have to have a desire to learn the new. Now, not everybody's cut out that way, but I think as a leader, you have to have that desire to constantly learn and figure out you know, how to deliver better for the business, constant change. You have to you know, absorb and, and enjoy that. I think the other thing I'd reference would be um, take risks and smart risks. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of those things I think from a leadership perspective is I know there's people that made calculated risks around me. I think they were smart, not too dumb, because <laughs> most of them worked out. But folks took risk on me earlier in my career that helped me you know, navigate and move through uh, leadership roles and so on to kind of where I am. And so that's something I try and instill. Um, that means you've got to have a great team, but you can, you can never get that science or math perfectly right. You have to take risks. And so take risks as a leader on, um, on people, but as an individual, take personal risk. And I mean, I came across, honestly, I came across to the US with, you know, with a couple of bags. I mean, it's 26, almost 27 years ago. Um, my wife said to me at the time, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> um, and it wasn't really on my agenda, but it was like, okay, this is, this is gonna be next chapter in life. It was a lot of personal kind of risk, uncertainty, um, but, you know, I thrived in that environment, and three months on a small deal became 26, almost 27 years, just the rest of my life. Um, so, so doing those things, putting your hand up, um, taking personal risk, but also, you know, managing that with folks as you as you look to build and grow teams, I think that's another. Another thing I'd reference anyway. So yeah, I have a list, but I'll stop there. <laughs> well, I, I, we're certainly uh, there's a whole company here and a whole industry that's certainly glad that you took you took that risk. You came <laughs> came across the pond. Most days, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, I have to. I mean, I can't imagine 
you know, even you describing the difference between what, what, this, what this technology environment was like 20 years ago and what it is today, if you aren't constantly learning, like I don't, I don't know how you can do right. yours or your team's job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, um, some people would look at that as, you know, as a massive overhead, but that is the fun piece. I mean, I know I could lose myself eight, nine hours every day just reading you know, what's happening in the space. And I'd still be, I still feel like I'm behind because there's so much, there's so much happening in, in this wireless environment. And with 5G, it's, it's just morphing and, and growing yeah. again. So, um, but I don't feel like I'm drowning in that. I enjoy that whole kind of process. And so I, I think to be, you know, a powerful leader in any business and a strong leader, you have to have that desire and, and energy to, to learn and constantly refresh. And I know I'm, I'm, a very different individual than I was, you know, 25, 26 years ago when I came across the U.S. Hopefully better. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to ask my wife. <laughs> Don't ask her. Yeah. <laughs> so. hmm. um, is, there, is, there a, is there a place or a resource that you, that's a reliable one for you, where you, you, know, you really spend some time kind of rolling around in what's, what's happening in the industry and in the network technology space? There, there are several. I mean, there's, there's one of the things I actually do is, um, so there's an industry association called 5G Americas. And um, I've spent a lot of time, I'm not chairing currently, but I've chaired that seven of the last, you know, 10 years. And so there are, there are environments like that that I, I push myself into because we spend a lot of time talking about 5G standardization, what's happening out of the future. The organization publishes all these great great white papers as reference documents for media and analysts and so on. Sometimes they're, they're a little techie and too deep. But rolling around in um, organizations and entities like that, which are big vendor and operator communities, thinking about the next thing and the thing after that and the thing after that, I like spending time there. Um, it's not always easy to find time, but that's chairing meetings, driving activity, reviewing white papers. Um, that's one big resource I use. Uh, the other one, I, you know, I, I sit at, um, on the board at CTIA. And that's less kind of technology focused, but more business focused. And where's the industry going and all those pieces, policy, regulatory matters, spectrum. You know, what's the spectrum look like for the pipeline for the next five to 10 years? So I, I'd love to try and spend time in that future drawer of life, if that makes sense. Um, and, you know, a big part of doing that is you learn. Um, you learn about capabilities and opportunities and potential for the business and, and for the company. So, and for yourself too. I have some rapid fire questions okay. for you. Um, and I have to look no so long I, answers. I don't no. want to mess up this first one because it's, <laughs> it's a really, really important one. So I saw an article that referred to you as Tech Supremo. <laughs> so do you prefer Tech Supremo or King of 5G? <laughs> uh, we'll go on the 5G theme. King of 5G. <laughs> okay, perfect. But didn't come out of my mouth. <laughs> Bring the crown. Okay. Um, so I, I park next to you every day. So yeah. I, know, I know you're a car guy. What's, right. what's the dream car? So um, I am an Aston Martin fan, yeah. and so the, the dream car is uh, a DB5, which is the, you know, the 60s Bond famous yeah. car. Um, yeah. They're hard to find by, crazy expensive. I've not started a search yet, but one day that's going to happen. With or without guns? Uh, you can buy them with guns now. <laughs> well, well, fake guns. I don't want the gun yeah. one. I just want, I just want a beautiful, pristine, good yeah. condition rebuilt by somebody else, not me, um, DB5. Yeah. That would be like the top of the wish list, yeah. probably. Uh, I think that's a lot of top of a lot of people's <laughs> wish list. Um, 
I, this, this one is probably too easy. American or British football? Oh, now both. <laughs> so, so British football is Saturday. American football is Sunday. Yeah. So I get the best of both worlds. Um, I, I still, I, I love all the EPL and all those things, but I'm a huge football fan too, okay. so. All right, maybe the most important and serious one, tomato or tomato? Oh, this is a fun one in the house. I'm tomato, my wife is tomato. <laughs> but it's like potato, tomato, potato, right? I mean, so that's one of those fun English things. It should be tomato, Yeah. so. Uh, Neville, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this. And uh, more, more than just doing this, I appreciate everything that you've done for our company. You know, we certainly would not be where we are today, which is, I mean, who would have thought, you know, even a decade ago, you know, far distant number four, we're, we're, no, we're number two in the U.S. and number one in network. You know, I mean, That's we've awesome. been dreaming about this our entire career here. Yeah. And it's, it's just incredible what you and the team have done. And yeah. we thank you so much for it. Yeah. Well, and, and back at you because we build it and you guys make it shine with customers. So we could build it and nobody would see it unless you do what you do. And that's how it all comes to life. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Have a wonderful holidays. I really appreciate you doing this. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. To all of you joining us today and throughout this entire past season, thank you so much for tuning in. It's hard to believe that 2021 and season three of Taking Care of Business are a wrap. What a year. This past season, our guests have donated to 10 schools of their choice across the country as part of T-Mobile's Project 10 Million, which aims to close the homework gap for students in need for good. That's real progress. Again, thank you, happy holidays, and I look forward to seeing you right here next season on Taking Care of Business.